What's going on guys? It's Nick here, back with another video and back with another rankings video. Doing tight ends this week. We're going to do the top uh, 16 actually. The video might say top 15, but top 16 tight ends by tiers. Um, obviously, we've got you know a top end, a mid-range, uh, a very, very low end range. Everyone that I didn't include in today's video is a pure flyer. It is a thousand percent fine to take the tight ends that I don't go over today in the later rounds. But I think everyone I go over today has like, I can see a decent path to them being viable in fantasy. As we start getting outside that range, it becomes a little bit less likely. But we will start things off with Travis Kelsey, S tier. Uh, just, I mean, let's be honest, like no one's going to have this any different. Only one that you can realistically take in round one. Um, maybe you could argue for some of the ones we're going to talk about in the next tier uh, in rounds like two. But for the most part, there's a very big drop off between Kelsey and everyone else. Um, I do think he's fine to take in like the mid to late first round. It depends a little bit on scoring format, um, a little bit on like your your preferences, right? Uh, but in general, he's going to be around that like six, seven, eight, nine range in like most leagues. I don't think he'll fall much outside that. I don't think people really push too far ahead because you do really have like a, a pretty elite tier at the top. But he's worth it. He's worth taking that spot if you want to take him. Uh, it really just comes down to mock drafts. Like you should be, be doing a ton of mock drafts. See how your teams really work out when you take Kelsey in round one in that spot versus when you don't. I have a video uh, that goes over like how your team will look, but you should do it for yourself and kind of see uh, how it is. But like, yeah, I mean, some people have a problem with his um, like his age. Maybe a little bit concerned that like he's turning tw uh, 34 in October. Listen, since 2016, he's been the tight end one, two, one. One, one, two, and one. It's probably going to be a top two tight end this season. Uh, and if he happens to be second or third, it's because two other tight ends were phenomenal. Probably not because the production fell off. He's going to be great. Tight end number two. First player in A tier. I think Kelsey is the only one at the top there. Uh, it's Mark Andrews. Uh, since 2019, he's been a tight end four, four, one, and three in points per game. Last year was tough because... He got injured, Lamar got injured, all the wide receivers got injured, all the running backs were coming back from injury. Like, it was just a brutal season for Baltimore. They were, um, like, historically low for them. Like, they they ran, like, no plays. They scored very few points. It's just not going to happen again this season. You'd have to get super unlucky for back-to-back -back years. Literally everyone getting injured. I think they're going to be really good. They've historically been very, very good with Lamar at quarterback when people are healthy. It's a very, very, very good offense. Um, I just, I believe strongly they're going to be really good. I think he's the most likely player to try, um, to challenge Kelsey. When you're drafting, you know, an early uh, mid-round tight end, that's what you are going up against, right? In your mind, you have to be like, okay, can this person outproduce or even just like come close to the production of Travis Kelsey and I think Mark Andrews is the most likely to be able to do that and so like if you can get him you know like the mid to late third round and he can come close to Kelsey's production in round one you gain an edge over those teams and then you're still gaining an edge over um, all of the other teams that drafted you know all the other tight ends are basically going to talk about in this video so I think he's gonna be really good um, and if we look at last season there were only nine games that Andrews and Lamar were both healthy in the season long pace for Mark Andrews in those games was just under 93 receptions, 
1,072 yards and 9.4 touchdowns. So even last year when we kind of consider it, we consider it down year. Again, he was the tight end three in points per game, but we consider it down year because like when they had those backups in, he was terrible. Plus Andrews missed a few games. So you look at the end of season numbers and you're like, oh, not that great. But like those are really good. 93 for over 1,050 yards and nearly 10 touchdowns at a season-long pace would be phenomenal numbers for a tight end to post. So if he could do that in round three, that would still be really, really good. And I think they'll be even better than they were last year. So I really like taking him um, fifth most receptions, sixth most, most receiving yards ever for a tight end over their first five years. He's been highly productive at a very young age, consistently productive. I love drafting him if he's available in like that mid to late third round. After him, only other player in this tier is TJ Hawkinson. I think he is the second most likely player to challenge Kelsey. And realistically, the drop-off is massive. I mean, like when I say these two are the most likely to challenge Kelsey, maybe Pitts, maybe Kittle if he got super, super lucky. And then it's basically no one. I basically think after that, no one even has a chance if Kelsey stays healthy to challenge him in production. So it really is important to understand that that is in the range of outcomes for Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. And that is why they're going ahead of all these other ones. Uh, season long pace. If you look with the Vikings last season, 117 receptions. That would be nuts if he had that for a full season, but season long pace in, I believe a 10 game sample. So like if you kick out that one game, remember uh, it was like week 18, they started their starters, but they already had the season on locks and they pulled them, remove that game and then include the playoff game. 10 games for Hawkinson as a member of the Vikings. Season-long pace, 117 receptions, 1,074 yards, five touchdowns. We know touchdowns are fluky. I mean, if he's up at 110, 120 receptions, which again would be crazy for him to have, I mean, he could have a spike here with 10 touchdowns and now all of a sudden he's a number one tight end in fantasy in his range of outcomes. Uh, if you look at those 10 games, he had at least nine targets in eight of them. So it wasn't just like spiking like 15 or 16 and then going back down to like three or four. Eight of 10 games as a member of the Vikings when he was actually playing and not getting pulled, at least nine targets. That's really, really strong production. And we know he's going to have a very high catch rate because they kind of use him closer to the line of scrimmage, not chucking the ball to him deep downfield. Um, and this is all at age 25. Like he's still very, very young. He's got 246 career receptions before turning 26 only seven tight ends have ever produced more than that before turning 26 just like if you're trying to think of like the path to busting because that's important for a tight end this early like i don't see it like someone would have to get hurt either like hawkinson getting hurt or um cousins getting hurt those are the only two scenarios where he doesn't have an awesome season like he's going to be used heavily they're going to be top three probably first in pass attempts this season very very safe pick very, very high upside. As we get into the beats here, down here, we still want to think about, okay, I'm taking these players, not early, um, but like relatively early. We're now in like the middle rounds. Who can challenge Travis Kelsey? And number one is Kyle Pitts. Um, I really think people need to remember that he is just turning 23 years old in October. He has the third most receiving yards ever for a tight end before turning 23. And he only played 10 games last year. And he was injured for a few of those 10 games. Uh, like Mariota was the reason that his numbers were just so, so bad last season. Uh, he dropped from a 62% catch rate all the way down to 47 and a half. You're a tight end. Like 
even bad wide receivers who are deep threats. So they're getting the ball deep downfield. They're not good, and they have a bad quarterback can get higher than a 47.5% catch rate. Like Mariota was so bad. Pitts was open a lot deep downfield. Mariota just could never, like literally never get him the football. Uh, and it's also crazy because like you think, okay, the catch rate dropped like that because it was only downfield. His yards per reception dropped 15.1 yards per reception down to 12.7, which is still amazing. 12.7 is awesome for a tight end. But it was just like the numbers were so down last season because of Mariota, not because of Kyle Pitts. Then he gets hurt. Uh, he never actually even got to play um, with Desmond Ritter. But we know that that's going to be an upgrade over Mariota. Um, look back to his rookie season. You could argue it was the best ever. I would say it was the second best season ever for rookie tight end uh, behind Mike Didka in like 1961. Like for a very long time, you know, it's the, the best season uh, in like, you know, 60 years. Like that's crazy to say. Um Again, it was just Mariota and him getting hurt last season. Um, I think we should just like like understand how young he is. There's a lot of like really good tight end prospects that come in and they're like 23, 24 years old when they enter the NFL. Pitts was very, very young. When Travis Kelsey was 21 years old, he had one reception for three yards as a freshman in college. Pitts at that same age had over a thousand receiving yards in the NFL. That's the difference here that we're talking about, like the age. Like, obviously, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a thousand times better. I guess that would be like 300 times better than uh, Kelsey. But the point is, think about how young he is. Like, people didn't look at that season and be like, oh, Kelsey's never going to be anything. He only had three yards at 21. Like, like, understand how young Kyle Pitts is at 22 years old. Travis Kelsey had 13 for 150 yards and two touchdowns as a sophomore in college. Uh, Kelsey did not have a catch in the NFL until his age 25 season. I think he was 24 years old, but like an old 24. It was age 25 season. Again, Pitts turns 23 in October. Please not write him off. He's the best tight end prospect we've seen in a very long time. He has really, really high upside. I, I feel strongly in saying like this is the lowest his ADP will be in the next like six or seven years. Uh, Kittle, after that, uh, decrease in production in recent years, uh, catch rate, yards per game, uh, receptions per game, all have fallen in four straight seasons. He just got super lucky with touchdowns last year. He went from two touchdowns, five, five, two, six. That's where he's been at in his entire career. Spikes to 11 last year. And yes, he had those touchdowns with Purdy. Touchdowns are random. Touchdowns are very, very, very random in the NFL. We cannot expect, oh, Purdy's going to be the quarterback this season. Expect another 10 touchdowns. Like maybe that'll happen. But the odds are when you look at McCaffrey on the team, Debo, Brandon Ayuk, like you look at these... um target totals, the potential touchdowns, and I don't see as high of a ceiling as like Kyle Pitts. And maybe that's like a little bit shocking for some people to hear. Um, but like the target share is just not very high. Look at the three playoff games after that he had that explosion, um, two, five, and four targets. Like there's a lot of games where he's at like, you know, three or four targets and like he was the what, the tight end uh, nine in points per game through week fourteen. So he's a tight end nine through week fourteen. He just goes nuclear for like four weeks. And then he does almost nothing in the playoffs. Like he basically had four good games last year across the entire season plus three playoff games. And so like I just I don't see it. Um, he's not someone that I'm really going out and drafting a ton of this season. After him, Dallas Goddard. Um, another player, like I'm not a huge fan of drafting. I think he's super safe. So if you wanted to make a mid-round pick a tight end and you just don't want to lose your league, you're like, I think I've crushed the early rounds. 
crushed quarterback. Just give me a tight end. We know is going to have a role. Know is going to be good. Um, I don't want to like bust here uh, and like you know kind of lose that production. I think I can do great in the later rounds, other positions. I can stream. I can draft. Like I get it, right? You can make trades. Um, I get wanting to draft Dallas Goddard. Uh, he's got four, five, three, four, and three touchdowns in his career. Uh, he's not going to outproduce, you know, like A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. That really limits the production um, of like what he can do because you have Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts is not going to throw 5,000 yards. He's not going to throw 4,500 yards probably. So you look at a lower volume passing offense. You've got two studs, two true alphas at the one and the two. Like you just know that the ceiling for Dallas Goddard isn't incredible. He's going to have a ton of games with like five or six targets, catch four or five balls, about 50 yards, probably won't score. And it's like, there's a lot of games like that. Um, again, I would just rather lean towards the ceiling of pits or you go with the next ranked player in Darren Waller. So if I'm in this range, I'm either taking pits or and actually Kittle goes first. I would wait on Kittle, take pits. If you can't get pits, I would wait past the Goddard range and I would just take Darren Waller because Darren Waller has upside and extra upside, right? If, if um, I'm actually recording this, the day that uh, Saquon could technically sign a long-term extension. It's looking unlikely, but disregard this section if uh, if Saquon signed. But if he doesn't, there's a risk right now, at least, that Saquon were to hold out. And then Darren Waller is just a focal point of the entire offense, right? Everything is slowing through him. But even if we have Saquon play, which I'm pretty sure he's going to, um, we still have Darren Waller as the focal point of the passing offense, right? They're going to give Saquon plenty of carries and plenty of targets. But I'm pretty sure Darren Waller would be the number one target for the Giants, and that would be pretty incredible to have in fantasy. Uh, I'm not concerned about the age. He turns 31 in September. You don't really start worrying about age for tight ends until they're like 33, 34 years old. Um, I just like drafting him when he falls because there's going to be leagues where nobody wants him. Um, people are scared of the injuries the last two seasons because it's been tough for him the last two years, but I wouldn't be, especially where you're getting him. Um, like He used to be going as like a third-round pick because of his upside, and he has that exact same upside. Uh, it's just, you know, he's been injured the last two seasons. If he can stay healthy, great pick. And if you're that, you know, scared, he doesn't go super early. And so you could honestly just draft him, draft one of the Titans we talked about in like the D tier, and then you're good to go. You have a backup in case he gets injured, but you have that upside for Waller. C tier, uh, kind of a small tier here. We have Evan Ingram starting it off, uh, just signed his new deal. So three years with the Jaguars. It's 41, a little over $41 million total. $24 million guaranteed, coming off the best season of his career. Uh, second year with Jacksonville, and it'll be the third season for Trevor Lawrence. Both of that just screams he's going to be good. Like, they knew he was a great part of the offense last season, a very important part of the offense. Um, they know Trevor Lawrence entering his third season. You want to have elite weapons around him. They have that, especially now having Evan Ingram. Second year with the team, he's going to be a little bit, um, just a little bit more comfortable with the offense. You could really see it, um, him like start to break out um, in like the second half of last season. I think he continues that production to this year. I love drafting him, but I will say I've drafted a lot of him so far. And so, as I said in another video, uh, I've kind of made a rule for myself now. I'm drafting him on Trevor Lawrence teams, and I love Trevor Lawrence. I draft a ton of Trevor Lawrence. Um, basically, if I'm making a bet on Trevor Lawrence, I want to make a bet on the offense, right? Because if I think Trevor Lawrence goes off, I think all these players benefit. And so if I take Lawrence, I'm trying to take Evan Ingram. I think he's going to a great spot. Um, at this point, I've drafted enough of Evan Ingram to where I'm not going to draft him on the team that don't have Lawrence. And so if you're in especially redraft league, um, usually I don't care about stacking, but I, I would with him. If you took Trevor Lawrence, I would make it a point to get Evan Ingram, unless you already drafted like, you know, Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkins, something like that. Um, but 
in a redraft league, I would be totally fine doing solo. I'm more talking about underdog needing to stack for me at this point. Uh, but yeah, I think he's going to have a good year. Um, I think that people kind of view it as a semi-fluke, but I'm all in on Jacksonville this year. I think he's going to be great. I would definitely draft him. David Njoku, next player. Uh, coming off the best season of his career as well. Um, definitely appealing here with the upside. I mean, this tier is is basically like, you know, much less certainty than Pitts, Kittle, Goddard, Waller. We've seen that production in the past, but they still have upside. Do they have the upside to tra- um, challenge Travis Kelsey if Kelsey's healthy? Probably not, but they could challenge that top tier. You know, they could end up this whole C tier. Uh, like I'll put Pat up here now. That's the last player in this tier. Uh, closes out the top 10. Ingram, Njoku, Pat Fryermuth. I think they could challenge like top five production and get good enough value to where like, you know, you got them at a significant ADP discount and they can challenge the Kelsey teams because they don't have the same production, but they had, you know, much more draft capital at other positions to make up for it. I think they could do that. Whereas like, you know, you start getting to like the tight ends, like 17, 18, 19. And it's like, okay, I mean, most weeks you're praying for four points, right? I don't think you'll be praying for four points from Ingram and Joku and Pat. Um, I would say I feel the best about Evan Ingram, uh, but I would say Joku probably... No, I'd say Ingram probably has the most upside, but Njoku's right next to him for upside. Um, we do need to remember there's a lot of projecting that goes into David Njoku's numbers. I mean, he had his best year last year, but it was still 58 for 628 and four touchdowns. And like, that's not enough, right, to warrant this ADP. It really is. We think they're going to throw the ball a lot more. Um, we think that they're going to play faster, run a lot more plays. We think that Sean Watson in year two of this offense will be a lot better. But if those things don't happen, obviously Njoku is going to be a bust at this ADP. So it really is like, how do you feel about the Browns offense? I feel good about them. And so I like taking Njoku here, uh, especially because it's kind of a gross range for a lot of other positions. And then final player in this tier is Pat Frymuth. Um, Nearly 100 targets last season, which is really good. I've seen people make bold takes. There were some beat writers that were like, oh, he get 100 receptions this year. I don't see that same upside as Ingram and Joku. I just see like, He's probably going to be really solid. So he's another player like Dallas Goddard where it's like, I feel very confident that if you draft Pat, like he's going to have solid production. You're probably not going to be like, oh, got to drop this kid, right? Um, But like they have Deontay, they have Pickens, they have Najee, they have Warren, they have Allen Robinson, who's probably going to be used more than people think this season. And like they also have Kenny Pickett throwing the ball. And they're also going to run the ball a lot more than people think. And so I don't see a ceiling for targets. But again, like I said, like with Dallas Goddard, he's probably going to be good. And he's probably going to be worth a pick here. I just don't think he's going to like vastly exceed value. Final tier, D tier. Um, everyone here could be a massive bust. Like literally you could be dropping all these players by week three. But um, these remaining six have the best chance of being consistent producers in fantasy. I don't think any of them can tra- um, challenge Kelsey or Andrews or Hawkinson. I think that it's unlikely any of them challenge uh, Pitts, Kittle, Goddard, and Waller. But... I think they could approach that production. We'll start off with what I think is the most likely, although you could definitely debate um, where you want to put Dalton Kincaid. Um, he's a rookie. Rookie tight ends never do anything. I would just say when you're in this range, uh, let's say Kincaid's your first tight end. You're double dipping anyways, right? We have a rule. Um, if Basically, if your first tight end comes after Pat, and even if your first tight end is Pat, um, I would honestly say outside of... Pat would be fine. So I would say the top 10. If you start your first tight end at 11, which would be Dalton Kincaid right now, 11 and on, you have to draft two. It's so hard to hit late. 
Um, you got to be drafting two of them. And I would say it's really good to do with Kincaid because Kincaid's probably a second-half player. He's probably not going to start the season very good. Uh, the target share will be lower. The snaps will be lower. Uh, but maybe in the second half of the season, um, he develops a rapport with Josh Allen. He starts to be used a lot more in the red zone, getting more snaps because he's a receiving tight end. He's a first-round pick. He's going to be good. Uh, it's just he's a rookie. So I would say draft Kincaid and then draft, um, like we'll say, Higby, right? Higby's our next tight end here. Um, draft those two. Start Higby to start the season. See how Kincaid's being used. And once they kind of ramp up his production, maybe you trade Higby if he's doing well, or maybe you just cut him and use Kincaid rest of season. But I wouldn't start the season uh, with Kincaid. Higby, though. Um, basically, the take there is uh, there's not very many people who can catch passes there, right? I mean, they have uh, Cooper Cup, who's awesome. But who else do they have? I mean, it's like they're relying on Van as the number two. And people are like, really um boosting his value but it's like that's not a great number two puka is puka the number three like i've been drafting a lot of him in like round 18 but let's be honest like there's not a lot there um cam Akers is not a, an elite receiving threat but they don't have anyone else running back and so it's like you start looking at their depth chart and you're like yeah i mean higby could rack up a lot of receptions um he's been the tight end 8 19 15 and 9 the last four years uh so we've seen two years of top 10 production basically saying who in this range could challenge or maybe get close to production for Pitts, Kittle, Goddard, Waller? I think Higby, you know, he can rack up, you know, six, seven receptions a lot of weeks. He can score some touchdowns. Um, I wouldn't call him a high-end touchdown producer, but, like, he can do it uh, if the offense can really click. Uh, so, you know, another player that's like, take two of these guys, hope that one of them hits. Uh, another one that I think has some upside but takes a lot of projecting is Greg Dulcich. Um, it's basically, do you think Sean Payton turns his offense around? If you really think that he does, you think Wilson, you know, does a lot better than he was last season, you think that Dulcich is going to be their top 10 end, which is what it looks like right now, but this is another one, watch camp. Um, beginning of the summer, they've made it seem like he's really clicking in the offense, he's doing well, he's going to be the 10 end one. Let's make sure those reports are accurate as we work into late July and into August. But if they are, he's got a lot of upside. Uh, he was a tight end 10 in weeks 6 through 16 last season. Those were the only weeks that he played. He was injured to start the season and injured to close the season. Um, but yeah, like if he's the starter and he has a role in this offense and you think this offense is going to be good, he's a really good pick late in drafts. Um, Chiaconquo, after that, uh, you know, the Hopkins signing is not great. Um, I... <laughs> I have almost none of him. So I checked before recording this. I only have drafted him in 2% of my drafts, which is virtually nothing. That is in 100 drafts. I have two shares of Chigakonkwo. I'm hoping that maybe, because um, his ADP's just been too high. I thought he was going to be a really good sleeper this season because like I really liked him late last year. I um, was using him a lot on in like DFS. Like We were drafting him or like adding him off waivers. He was He's really athletic. He had a good role in the offense. I was like, okay, he can continue that production in this year. Um but then it's like everyone thought that and kind of steamed up his ADP. And so he was going just a little bit too early for me. Uh, I'm hoping that them signing Hopkins will have people realize, okay, it's Hopkins, it's Burks, it's a low volume offense, then it's Jig. Um, they're also going to give it plenty, obviously, to Derrick Henry. And so the volume ceiling isn't really there. Um, and so hopefully people see that his ADP goes down and I can get a little bit of him, you know, at a much better ADP than he was going earlier. Um, but yeah, he has the tight end one role in lock. He's very athletic. Um a good prospect. I wouldn't say a high-end prospect, um, but a good prospect. He was like a late fourth-round pick. Um, I like him. I like the player. Uh, ADP right now is a little bit too high. Hopefully that falls. Second to last player. 15th tight end is Irv Smith. 
uh, clearly has upside. Any pass catcher on the Bengals offense has a ton of upside. Obviously, he's extremely athletic. They've said they're going to be able to do more things with him than they could with Hurst, um, just like being better through the seam, like just stretching the field a little bit more. Uh, he's just a little bit faster, a little bit more athletic than Hayden Hurst, um, which is obviously like music to our ears, right? If, if they're going to use him deep downfield, um, they obviously have Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow. Um, they've got Joe Mixon at running back. Like no one's paying attention to Irv Smith, right? That is not the person you're focusing on stopping. And so he has a ton of upside. Uh, but just remember, like he's always had a lot of upside and he has busted uh, in every year of his career so far, but still very young. I still really like him late. Another one, please double dip. Don't just draft Irv. Uh, final one. I think people are a little bit too high on uh, Gerald Everett. I've bumped him down the rankings recently because it's just like, what's the ceiling? You know, they've got Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Quentin Johnston, like then it's Gerald Everett in the receiving game. There's going to be so many games where he's getting like two, three, maybe four targets. You're praying for touchdown upside, but really touchdown upside when all the players I just mentioned, they're really going to give Gerald Everett like seven, eight touchdowns. It's unlikely he'd have to get lucky. Um, Another one definitely got a double dip, uh, but not one. Like if you drafted Herbert uh, on underdog, I would definitely go after Everett late. Other than that, for those of you in redraft leagues, um, I would, I would, here's what I would lean towards basically. I would want Mark Andrews. I would want TJ Hawks. And if you don't get that, I want Pitts and I want Waller. I never want to reach a tight end this season because there's multiple players at different ranges I like. But if any of them come of value, grab them. If you can't get that, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, if they become a value, grab them. And then I would say Higby, Dulcich, and Irv Smith. If Chigakonkwo moves down in ADP, because ADP-wise, he's kind of closer into this range, you can draft him. Uh, but for the most part, that's who I'd be going after. Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, Waller, Engram, Njoku, Higby, Dulcich, and Irv Smith. And then outside of this range, I really would have drafted someone else. I, I would not want to be targeting any tight ends that we did not go over in today's video. So... That's the end of tight end rankings. I think we'll do quarterback next week, but every Wednesday video from now on is going to be a rankings video. Um, tomorrow, we're going to have some sort of player breakdown, and then I think it's going to be league-winning wide receivers on Friday before uh, ADP risers and fallers on Saturday. If you want to see my full rankings, full projections, this is half PPR rankings. If you want to see the rankings for um, all scoring formats, for tight end premium leagues, all that sort of stuff, it's all on my website, thefantasyfootballadvice.com. That's the end of this one. Hope you all did enjoy. If you did, have a hang the like button and have subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Thanks for watching.